The Insulone Podcast is brought to you by Cybionics, an emerging CGM brand that focuses on simplifying how individuals aged 18 and above monitor and control their blood sugar levels. Upon becoming available on the market, the Cybionics GS1 CGM has helped users worldwide navigate the complexities of diabetes management with more confidence and peace of mind. Thanks to Cybionics, now more people are able to view and share their real-time glucose data, receive customizable glucose alarms, and generate full AGP reports, all directly from an intuitive Cybionics app, empowering them with the necessary information to make better decisions about their health. Cybionics combines data accuracy and comfort of wear, which is important to us all, with a feature-rich app. The 14-day scanning-free and calibration-free Cybionics GS1 CGM aims to deliver reliable, seamless diabetes management experiences. For more, check out CybionicsCGM.com. Welcome back to part two of this episode. I really hope you enjoyed part one. Now let's get back into it. So when you talk about Khaled, about how you go through those muscle building phases compared to the dieting phases where you're obviously eating higher calories, higher carbohydrate compared to lower calories, almost no carbohydrate at all, apart from some hypo treatment. What was the difference in terms of even insulin dosing with those types of diets? So surprisingly, so normally you would think that I would take a lot less insulin when I'm consuming less carbs. But well, which which is true uh, at some point that, OK, I'm not consuming the, the massive amount of carbs, so I'm, I'm dropping my insulin uh, dosage. Um, even sometimes my insulin to carb ratio itself changes. So instead of being like a one to five, it could be like a one to four. That by, that by itself can change. Mm. But because sometimes my my body is under severe stress during the low carb phases, I'm actually producing so much adrenaline and so much stress hormones that it's fighting back the insulin. So sometimes they, I need actually more insulin, not less. Which again, it's crazy to, mm. you know, if, if, if you don't know a lot about diabetes, it will be crazy for you to understand. Uh, but that's, that's how it works. Uh, it's just sometimes it's, it's inevitable. It's weird. It's, it doesn't make sense. There's no logic behind it. But then you have to adapt. And that's why... I hear you saying this as well, that diabetes is all about trial and error and it's subjective and, and just everyone is different. But for yeah, for me, this is this is what happens. And then sometimes I reach a point that I don't even take any single short acting insulin during the day. I'm not cured. I know that for sure. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, but my body is burning continuous calories and sugar while um, eating very low amount of carbs. And the protein and the fats that I consume don't have much effect on my blood sugar. They don't increase it by much. So, yeah. Yeah, it's unbelievable how we were actually only speaking about it recently in another episode of how, as we know, diabetes isn't just as simple as count your carbs, take your insulin, count your carbs, take your insulin. You know, and even stress itself just has a significant impact on blood sugar. And sometimes I almost describe myself as, as like consistently stressed to a certain extent and it's almost like i have taken into account that stress with my basal rates and even my insulin to carb ratio at times because i know days where 
I am more stressed compared to days where I'm like a lot more relaxed or calm or at ease. I require more insulin on those stressful days. A lot of that comes from, and you are obviously super confident of this too. It comes from your own understanding of your own body. And so much of that is almost stemmed from just being conscious and being aware and paying attention to what's going on with your body and with your doses and with your blood sugar around physical, mental, and even emotional times in your life. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 100% agree with you. 100% agree with you. That's why when, uh, so I, I do a lot of work in the Middle East um, and there is something that I see there that happens a lot is that doctors, endocrinologists, they they would give out leaflets to patients on their insulin to carb ratio and their correction dose and to what what breakfast they need to have and whatever and it's the same the same paper for every and each person and then they wonder why it's not working and a lot of people they come to me they're like yeah we're following this i'm like you cannot follow anything you just can't mm. you can get you can have all the numbers in the world all the equations on how to calculate this or how to calculate that there is a lot of like there's like an american way of calculating your uh, your uh, insulin to carb ratio uh, there's a british way there's another way of calculating your um, what's it called the amount of sugar that you need to you know get the hypo up they say 15 grams and then you wait and then 15 grams again and whatnot yeah you can use all everything as a reference at the start but then I guarantee you that you're gonna change it anyway and modify it to to whatever your needs are. It's never accurate. It just can't happen. So hundred percent. What I always say is like all type one diabetes is the same, but no type one diabetic is the same. So therefore, how you manage the condition can it's be a very smart different. statement. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And even even us two, like we both love training. We both probably train with very similar types of workout splits, similar types of exercises, movements. We probably eat similar types of foods. You know, you're on a whole different level in terms of physique and training, but we we follow probably something relatively similar. And even with that, how we manage our diabetes is probably completely different. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And, And I bet you that your diabetes differ from month to month or day to day sometimes or when you travel abroad or you know when you get injured or when you get you know a flu or 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 an illness or whatever like even this differs Hmm. so yeah i don't i don't understand how people um, think that they can just follow something online without proper guidance Hmm. it's not gonna work with diabetes it's not gonna work no absolutely not and it's you kind of hit the nail on the head. It, it constantly changes as your routine, your 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 schedule, your stress levels change too. And even a perfect example I'm thinking of right now, I'm in New York. And because I'm in the city, I'm walking around a lot more than I usually do because I've just been walking around a lot. And I've had to reduce my insulin dose because I'm so much more active than I usually am. Whereas if I was to just say to myself, right, this is the insulin I take. This is the insulin that my body needs. This is the insulin that I've always taken. If I didn't make those adjustments based on how much more active I am, then inevitably I would just be crashing and crashing and crashing and crashing. And I would just see loads more blood sugar. So it's about adjusting your management based on 
how your life adjusts, essentially. 100%. So what's next for you, Khaled? Are you planning on doing more competitions? What's the plan? So as you know, I just started training again. So uh, I just recovered. Well, I would say 95% recovered from an injury in my wrist. I uh, ruptured a ligament here called TFCC um, in January last year. So I've been off, like I go to the gym slacking, trying to do whatever I can do, but it didn't work out last year. So I just started training again, competing this year. I'm not sure, but I'm definitely getting back into training heavy, you know, eating right again, um, basically getting back in shape. So, uh, I look at myself sometimes I'm like, oh, come on, what happened? Can't, I can't just, can't just lose all that. So, uh, yeah, just training back. But yeah, in terms of competing, I'm definitely competing again, but I'm not sure if I will do it this year because trust me, the you, you don't want to go through the dieting and the training just for the sake of competing because it's, it's just too much suffering just for the sake of competing. You actually want to go there and win whenever you do something like that. Because I, I know a lot of people, they want to compete just to step on stage, which is fair enough. It's good to get the experience. But if you do it properly, nah, that's not worth it. You have to bring on some some package so um, yeah for me that's that's in terms of training um i also post all the the coaching work that i've been doing for quite a bit so i think since december um i'll probably keep on posing it for a couple of months because i have a lot of other work that i'm doing the main one is i'm creating a course for uh, mainly parents and athletes, so parents with kids who have diabetes and athletes or that want to transform their body. Um, it's something I've been working on for a year. Uh, but as you know, the incident where the stuff got stolen, yeah, mm-hmm. was all gone. So I'm redoing it again now. So you want to give us a brief, a brief recap of what happened and how 2022 set you back um, oh, a good bit. It was a difficult <laughs> year for Khaled. And we were talking about it for a good bit before we pressed record. Um, yeah. But you want to give us a brief overview so people can understand I mean, by far, 2022 has been the worst year for me. And I hope, I hope it doesn't get any worse. <laughs> Hopefully not. Um, yeah, no, I mean, January 2022, someone uh, broke into my car. They stole every single bit in the car and I was moving. Uh, I was actually staying over uh, one of my friends. So I had everything in the car, including my laptop, which wasn't backed up. My fault. They stole everything, uh, all my work, everything I've been doing for the past eight to 10 years. And that, yeah, that sucked big time. That was bad. Um, and then I am big in investment, uh, you know, investing a lot of crypto. I do a lot of trading and stuff like that. Anyone who's familiar with the with the finance, they would know that 2022 is the year that everything crashed. So I was one of the people that, yeah, got destroyed. I lost like all my money twice, all my savings twice. Thankfully, only a few months ago, I managed to get everything back and even more which is good. But yeah, the effect that this had on me back then, it was just mental. And then to top that off is the injury that I just mentioned. All this happened in a few weeks, only only a couple of weeks apart. So that and that injury meant that I can't train. So I couldn't train, I couldn't work, and I couldn't even invest or do anything. So yeah, that's when I took some time off and decided to fly back to Egypt and stay there for a few months to kind of, you know, take a break mentally it was exhausting very exhausting like that's that's one one of the stuff that i actually tell people that there is no embarrassment to admit admitting mental uh, fatigue i'd call it or if you have like a mental health issue or something i talk about it or even just take action you don't even have to talk about it, just take action 
my, the action that I took is I took a step back. I put all my clients on hold. I put my company on hold. Spoke to everyone that I have, uh, like I have any contracts with. So I, I do. I create con- content for companies such as Omnipod and, and like JDRF and all this stuff. And I told them, listen, I'm not doing anything. Um, and yeah, that that kind of kind of fixed it a bit. Mm-hmm. And then yeah, back on my feet. So um, I'm hoping 23 is a lot better now. Definitely will be. It definitely will be. But even on that, Khaled, like it obviously requires a lot of grit to be able to bounce back from that. So do you feel as if even your diabetes or living with the condition up to that point had helped you kind of even deal with the mental side of those sorts of um, incidents, let's call them? I mean, I don't ever differentiate diabetes from my life, basically. I mean, it follows me everywhere now. So, uh, yeah, uh, bad times, I'm still diabetic. <laughs> Good times, I'm still diabetic. So mm. I did have moments where I felt really down. And uh, I thankfully, I never had ignorance towards diabetes because that's the last thing anyone wants to do. But sometimes I just didn't feel that uh, I wanted to was it called it wasn't even a burnout because it wasn't caused by diabetes but i just didn't want to care it's like there was so much going on in my life and whenever i see for example myself going hypoglycemic i'm like oh man i still have to i still have to deal with that and then if i'm hyperglycemic oh i need to look at into you know increasing let's say my background insulin or whatever it is or maybe change the sensor that i'm using i've been it's like for example when i had when i had covid uh, at one point that was during this time as well um my blood sugar was over 20 for a week oh. it did not want to go down that's it it's like extreme insulin resistance from both covid and the stress that i went through so it was basically a combination that you shouldn't have and yeah that was yeah i definitely got annoyed at that time it's like come on i'm dealing with all this now diabetes as well (laughs) (laughs) but one of the uh, one of the interviews i had with jdrf they asked me or what would you feel if if there is a cure for diabetes or what do you i can't remember the exact question but basically what if there's a cure for diabetes and i my answer was i cannot imagine my life without diabetes and that is the truth like i can't Mm -hmm. think regardless of whether i'm going through good times or bad times i can't think of my life without you know counting carbs thinking before uh, think about my blood sugar before leaving the house thinking about my blood sugar before getting involved into any exercise checking my insulin just how i check for my phone or keys when i go out these kind of stuff mm. it's just it's part of me it's part of you you just i don't think separate from it so if somebody was to ask you then off the back of that because i'm the same i can't imagine my life without it because it's such a massive part of me because it's just it, like you can't ignore it because pretty much everything that you do you think how will this impact my blood sugar exactly. so if somebody was to ask you Khaled or offer you a cure would you take it well if someone would offer me a cure instantly I believe I would take it for sure I mean I believe anyone would take it but but a lot of people, they hang on the hopes that there is a cure and they don't do anything till a cure shows up. And I can tell you this, I can guarantee you this. If if there was a cure or if they, for example, announced, hey, in, in a couple of years time, there 100% there will be a cure for diabetes. 
I wouldn't have reached where I am right now because I would have been sitting down in my house waiting for that cure and not working my ass off trying to, you know, get in sh in shape or trying to do whatever I do now, coaching or, or you know, content, whatever it is. I wouldn't I wouldn't have even attempted because, hey, there's a cure. Why would I even bother? Why would I even count carbs? Why would I even just waste my energy on understanding how to manage diabetes because there was a cure? So that's one thing that I don't like is hoping for. I mean, you can hope for a cure, but don't wait for it to happen. You you work now, you move on now. But of course, if there is a cure instantly, yeah, I mean, yeah, I would take it. But I don't know how my brain will comprehend not, not being able to, like just basically waking up and not caring about insulin resistance or or exercising without having your hyper treat i would still probably walk out with sweets and, and and insulin i would still have you know i would still be checking my sensor and, <laughs> yeah. yeah it would be weird if you were cured overnight what's the first thing you'd do ah very good question i'd probably have cereal <laughs> and, then, and then check my blood sugar and laugh i'll be like yeah. ha, ha, you're not going up <laughs> but yeah because that's one of the stuff is i can't i can't have um cereal in the morning especially in the morning when you mm. you know when you when there's a like a lot of stress hormones in the system yeah for me it kills me that's what i've been thinking about a lot recently it's like i i will rarely be bogged down by my diabetes like because again like we've gone through it's such a big part of me and it, it's just what i do but recently what's been frustrating me the most about it is times when i'm maybe hungry and i just want to go way overboard with the food you know like looking at a cereal box and thinking i would love to just take that cereal box and pour a carton of milk into the box <laughs> and just eat it from there. But I know the impact that that will have on my bloods. And that's sometimes that kind of annoys me. It's like, oh, I don't have that luxury to a certain extent. So it's funny yeah. that you say the first thing that you do is have a bowl of cereal without worrying because it's probably one of the first things I would do as well. Yeah, it's because everything else, we are actually doing it. Like pretty much like there is, there is some sort of thought behind everything and you have to think before doing it, but everything else we're doing, like what, what, what are we missing out on? Mm. Nothing. Nothing. It's a good point that you make about how we shouldn't rely on hope, you know, because if somebody is thinking ah, there, there's going to be a cure in two years, five years, 10 years, I'll wait. You know, the way I always look at it is, although it's not, it's not, actually a cure but your behaviors and your decisions and your understanding and your own awareness of your diabetes every day of the week is the closest thing you're going to get to a cure anyway like if you make good decisions around your food good decisions around your sleep good decisions around your exercise good decisions around your insulin your timing all these different things that come together to give you your type of management if you look at them and manage them consistently, in my opinion, that's pretty close to a cure. 100%, 100%. And even another way of thinking of it is how do you prevent type 2 diabetes? Or how do you deal with type 2 diabetes? Mm. It's basically what you said, is that you just have, have manage your life, manage your sleep, exercise, nutrition, food, whatever. And if you do so, there's a huge chance that you might end up not taking any sort of medications. 
type one is the same, but obviously, you know, you still need to take the medications, but in terms of how your life is going to improve, it's exactly that you, you're going to be living without worrying so much about stuff, something very big, such as insulin resistance. I'm, I'm very big about insulin resistance. Talking about it is that it could, it could destroy, you know, destroy someone's you know, how should you say, like someone's mental health or or someone's hope on, on having um, a good managed blood sugar, right? Um, if you don't, if you don't take these stuff into consideration, you're going to put yourself in that position that your body is going to get extremely resistant to the only treatment that you have, not a cure mm. treatment. A hundred years ago, there was no treatment. So we are blessed, like we are lucky to to have insulin on board. Like it's, it's upsetting to say this, but if you have diabetes 100 years ago, you're dead. So I shouldn't be saying no, this. But no question, but that's the reality yeah. of it. That's the reality, exactly. That's exactly how it is. So we're lucky, we are blessed. As you said, there is there are ways of living healthy, living happily. When people, for example, look at my pictures and they think I'm an exception, and I'm like, no, 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 no. You are the exception. That's how it's meant to be. Look at Owen. Look at look at this guy's physique. Look at every at every sport. There is someone who is very good who has type one diabetes. You said that you support Real Madrid. Um, look at Nacho. Yeah. Nacho's got type one diabetes. Yeah. Rugby players, boxers. Uh, there's tons of people. So, yeah, you can live a very happily healthy life having diabetes, but you have to take the right choices, as you said make the right decisions i really like that phrase that you used manage your type one in a way that you would avoid type two because the same yeah. fundamentals will apply which is really interesting and i i never had phrased it that way so it's a good takeaway to have from that so obviously yeah. insulin resistance is a big factor when it comes to trying to keep things as consistent as possible and i always say like and and what we've already touched on in terms of behaviors and decisions and, and your actions and your food and your exercise, the biggest variable when it comes to you managing your diabetes is always going to be you because you're the one that makes decisions around all these different factors. But if you were to, if you were to offer any sort of advice to anybody who may be feeling as if they are more resistant to insulin than they would like, what sort of tips would you have to increase insulin sensitivity? So there are lots of ways of actually increasing insensitivity if it's not related to the actual insulin dosage. So some people, they, they would take less insulin thinking that, you know, insulin will make me gain fat or mm. an, 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 an unhealthy hormone because, I don't know, for whatever reason. Increasing insulin uh, sensitivity, the main cause of it is basically, so sorry, the main cause of insulin resistance is fat in the body so the first thing that you want to do you want to look at yourself you want to decide okay do you are you do you have like are you obese do you have like skinny fat what could be the main cause could it could it be just hormones in your system because some people they just have a plethora of hormones you know getting produced in their system and that causes insulin resistance they could be they could have you know, small amounts of fat in their in their body, so that couldn't be the contributor. But the main contributor normally for insulin resistance is someone having a lot of fat in their body, and that's one of the main reasons for type two diabetes to start with. Mm. So yeah, you gotta get into 
get into exercising, get into dieting, watch what you eat. You have to understand that there is no enemy when it comes to food groups. People that completely avoid carbs or people that completely avoid fats. No, don't, don't do that. Please don't. Really Please, yeah, yeah, don't. Exactly. Please don't. Otherwise, you're going to be like me, a uh, competition phase. Weak and walking around. And once I get hypo, I would... And you eating know, pastries off the floor in Tesco. Exactly, exactly. You don't <laughs> want to do that. You really don't want to eat pictures off the floor. Um, so basically, education. you got to educate yourself. You find someone that would actually help you with this. Understand, okay... What are because carbs are always portrayed as the enemy. Okay, so yeah. how can you how can you consume carbs? It's not about carbs, fats, and protein. It's about you eating too much, gaining fat. You want to eat less, but a balanced diet generally to be able to help you with your goal. So yeah. like high protein, good amount of carbs, good amount of fats. Each and every group is people. People say carbs are not essential. No, to me they are essential. That's yeah. the main source of energy for the brain. You need to understand what you consume in, in in every group, what benefit it has. So even fats, people cut fats completely. I'm like, no, you don't do this. Like, Very unhealthy. Are, yeah, yeah. Lots of, you know, vitamin soluble, um, fat soluble vitamins are out there. Your hormones, your hormonal production is going to be affected if you don't consume fats. So basically a good diet, good exercise, and you want to loosen up a bit when it comes to stress. So... As I said, it's, it's the fat content, uh, sorry, not the fat content, the fat in your system, but also the hormones. If you're someone that is always stressed, there might be an issue. There might be, you know, there might be a way of dealing with it. If you're someone that you just can't stop being stressed and you followed a good diet and you're still extremely insulin resistant, then look at your dosage. Look at your background insulin. A lot of people, they, they never, ever thought about changing their background insulin. They've been on the same dose for since they got diagnosed. Yeah. And they don't think that it's even changeable. I'm like, actually, this is the first thing that would be changed. Yeah, when, when you get ill, for example, or when you get into a phase that is unusual. What else? Understand what helps, what exercise would help with your uh, blood sugar in terms of dropping it. So, for example, a lot of people, they would go to the gym and they would lift weights, you know, high intense exercises, and then they end up hyperglycemic and they don't know why. It's for the same reason. It's the extreme hormones that gets produced when you, you know, do a, a stressful exercise. But on the other hand, why don't you just go for a walk? Why don't you just do something very light? That would really help you. A lot of people, they they get into a, an extreme insulin-resistant phase where they're hyperglycemic because of whatever they ate, but then their blood sugar is not dropping. They take so much insulin and it's not dropping. Solution is as simple as actually going for a walk. Go for yeah. an hour walk <laughs> and and have some sweets or something with you just in case you go hypo. And watch the magic. It works most of the times. Not all the time, but it works most of the times. So yeah. I did that over Christmas a couple of times. After stuffing yourself with food. <laughs> yeah, to a, yeah, to a certain extent. But if I have a really stubborn high, or even if I'm more stressed, and I know my bloods are going to be that bit more stubborn as a result, going out for a walk is the best thing that I can do because I know it's naturally going to bring my blood sugar down. But also, if I am stressed or worked up about something, the walk itself helps relieve that stress. So it's like you you kill two birds with one stone, which is uh, something we want yeah. to do, something to help simplify things, you know? Yeah, no, no, I, I agree with you 100%. It doesn't care about your insulin resistance. It would just help burn the sugar in your blood. That's it. Exactly, 100%. Khaled, I have one more question for you. 
And this yeah. is how I finish all the episodes that we have with guests. And it's a bit of an unusual one, but it's one that we have got very different answers to, which is the unique side of diabetes. Because it's, it's, it, don't get too excited. <laughs> it's, it's only a question. <laughs> because we all have our own relationships. We all have our own experiences with diabetes itself. But Khaled, if you had to thank your diabetes for something, what would that be? I would thank diabetes for making me what I am right now, actually. So if it wasn't for diabetes, I wouldn't have cared about diabetes, just to be clear. Like, I wouldn't have even considered knowing anything about it. I wouldn't have stepped on stage and I wouldn't have had the career that I have right now. I wouldn't have got into coaching. Uh, I wouldn't have got the exposure that I have right now. I mean, there are tons of bodybuilders out there. There's tons of personal trainers, tons of, tons of coaches and tons of, of nutritionists out there. But... So I'm not I'm not like the best out of them. No, 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 not at all. But I have diabetes. That's what <laughs> makes the difference. That's all. So any exposure I'm getting is because of that, is because I've achieved X, Y, Z having diabetes. So even though, you know, diabetes is a chronic condition, but I'm thankful for it, for changing my life completely this way. A lot of people, they thank diabetes for making them healthier okay, maybe, I mean, to, to some extent, okay, that could be right. But at the same time, because, you know, you go through the, the hypos and hypos and whatnot, and you might, if, you, if your diabetes is not managed properly, you might have complications and so on. But what I want to say is it does actually, in a way, make you more vigilant to what you eat, make you consider a different path in your life. A lot of people are like me in the sense that they do something just to influence others not because they would they would do it even if it's as tiny as an instagram page someone would just create an instant instagram page and you find in their bio type 1 diabetic that by itself is you know it's crazy it's that hey i'm actually proud and i'm influencing you as as a musician or as whatever to kind of show you that i can do this without you know with uh, with having diabetes so yeah for me i would thank diabetes for making me who i am right now without it i wouldn't have been here I wouldn't have been here in this podcast with you. Yeah, so, yeah. Not. We wouldn't even know each other. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I love that. I love that. And, and the look, community. Very good 100%. point, Owen. The community, like the people that I met, the companies that, that I worked with, it's just, it's crazy. It's, it's just, I'm thankful, man. Thankful. Yeah. Do you think, I have another question. I know I said that was the last one, but I have a question that, that, that follows that. Do you think, Khaled, you were, you were diagnosed at a good time in your life? that it almost kind of ignited all of this in you? I think I got diagnosed maybe the perfect time. Oh, obviously, I would. it would have been nicer if I knew about my condition earlier, yeah. obviously. But I'd say that the age that I got diagnosed in was an age where I was very motivated. And um, I just had so much in, uh, energy. And at the same time, I wasn't so too young that I that it would annoy me. So I see a lot of kids, they don't like it because they think that they are different from their friends or they would get bullied or they just don't want to, you know, have anything extra on, on their plate. I think the age I got diagnosed when I was 18. So that kind of age, I was mature enough to take it in and take on the challenge. Uh, but at the same time, I was motivated to do something with it because... It's that it's that time, it's that age that you wanna you know thrive in a way, 
if I got diagnosed when I'm older, I don't think that would have made a difference as well. But maybe my life already before that would have took a different route. So it would have been harder to, to do what I'm doing right now. So I think, no, I mean, I'm thankful for the, for the age, to be honest. Because you got diagnosed at the same age. Yeah, I was just going to say, it's like, it's funny even hearing you say that because that's almost exactly how I feel. Because I was diagnosed at 19 and I didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life at that stage. My, let's call it, quote unquote, football career had essentially come to an end. I wasn't going to be a professional. And I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And I was old enough to understand the severity of it i was old enough to realize that it was serious but i was also old old enough to realize that i can take care of this thing and like you said yourself and again i think you kind of hit the nail on the head if it had have even been two or three years later i could have had my life already going down a different path and i might not be doing what i'm doing today which I, I don't exactly. know what that would be, but I think it was a perfect time for me to be diagnosed. So yeah, it's interesting to hear you say that because it's they're almost exactly the same. We, I think we feel very similarly about it. But from a personal standpoint, Khaled, and from, I'm sure I can speak for everybody else who knows you within the diabetic community, I'm quite thankful that you were diagnosed because <laughs> um, you're a perfect example of how should and it won't and it can't stop you from doing what you want to do even like i'm not even talking just physically but mentally and professionally and you're just a fantastic example of somebody living with type 1 diabetes for anybody for somebody newly diagnosed for somebody who's been diagnosed 30 years ago so i'm very thankful that you are diabetic and i'm very thankful that you came on the podcast and i've really enjoyed this chat so where can people find out more about you where can people follow you where can people understand about everything that you do right so first of all i appreciate what you said same goes to you by the way uh like i see your work on uh online and you know you're one of the people that add value to the community so just by doing these podcasts like if someone listens to this they would benefit from it so yeah you're 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 doing a great job Owen. so on my instagram mainly. So it's Mr. Keshta, M-R-K-E-S-H-T-A. And then my Diabetes Academy, which I sometimes post content on, is called keshtaacademy.com or diabetesacademy.net. And then through my Instagram, there is a link where you can find all like the YouTube channels and the other pages and the stuff that I do. So it comes very simple from there. Perfect. All of Khaled's links I will drop below so you can see everything that he does i was actually i was looking at all your profiles yesterday in advance again of this podcast i was thinking is there anything you don't do <laughs> because <there's, laughs> there seems to just be a link for almost everything so i will link them below in the description and if you don't yet follow khaled please make sure that you do because it'll be one of the best accounts that you follow but again khaled khaled apologies i appreciate you uh coming online i'm glad we finally had this conversation after probably yeah, years of following each other. Appreciate it. Take care of yourself. I'll chat to you soon. My pleasure. Thank you, mate. Take care. Another massive thank you to today's guest. And if you haven't already, be sure to check out their social channels and links that we've included in the episode description. If you enjoy the podcast, which I'm guessing you do because you listen, be sure to rate, subscribe, and share. It really, really helps the podcast 
get heard by more people when you rate, when you subscribe, and when you share. If you feel that you've been able to benefit from it so far, likely someone else would be too. If you have any questions or stories for myself and Graham, please do not hesitate to reach out. We absolutely love getting in the email stories and questions. You can do this through theinsalonepodcast at gmail.com. And if you would like to learn more from me, stay connected or even work with me and other people living with type 1 diabetes who want to be fitter, healthier, and happier within my type 1% better online program, you can message me directly through Instagram or you can fill out an application form through the link in the podcast description. And as always, another massive thank you to you for your time and your ears. We greatly appreciate you showing up each week, time after time, ready to gain knowledge and confidence around your diabetes management. So until next week, have a good day, have a good week, look after those blood sugars, and I'll chat to you soon. Take it easy.